Hello again, everybody. It's time for a special Prep Pigskin Preview three-point podcast right here on Z92.5 The Castle and the Podcast Stratosphere. Three sports guys from mid-Michigan, three different generations with the hottest takes on sports. And uh, I'll just tell you right now, I'm Ted the Sports Guy of Sportsnet Michigan and Z92.5 recording here at the Castle Studios in Owasso, Michigan. Our social media master and middleman is Matt Burns of ESPN in Charlotte, North Carolina, and our Gen Z viewpoints will come from my nephew, Jared Fattel of Grand Valley State University and Fox 17 in Grand Rapids. And guess what? We all played high school football. That's kind of key in this episode. Our Z92.5 sponsor is our favorite pizza place, Main Street Pizza, with many great locations throughout mid-Michigan. Our other partners include Advanced Elevator, Sheridan Realty and Auction Company, Rivals Tap House and Grill, The Corona Connection, Card Service Michiana, and Pro Mac Engineering Services. Thanks also to our website teammates at Sports Radio Detroit. Well, we're going to get into our statewide look at the top teams, key players, and interesting storylines, and we'll also give you a few of our viewpoints right after these important messages. Rivals Tap House and Grill is the area's go-to spot for the best in food and drink. Meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on over 20 high-def flat-screen TVs. And our 120-inch projection screen. Rivals can handle your larger, small parties and is an awesome spot to put on your fundraising events. Weekly food and drink specials including gourmet burgers, wings, pizza, homemade soup, and salads. Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official gathering spot of three-point podcast located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. 85, 90, 95, 100. Looking for items to buy or sell? Look no further than SheridanAuctionService.com. We will solve your problem. Bring Sheridan Realty and auction your items and we will market them all over the country and get them sold. If you are looking to buy items, we can help with that too. Call today, 989-720-SELL. It's fast, easy, and we get results. SheridanAuctionService.com. Buy or sell, we'll get it done for you. Call 989-720-SELL. You'll do better with Sheridan. Well, Ted, you already kind of alluded to it, but we all know fall is around the corner, which means football, college football has already gotten going, preseason NFL is going, but, I mean, high school football is right here, and you said it. We all played high school football, all for Corona, grew up, born and raised there, going that that Golden Dome at Nick and East Field. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I remember as a kid just when fall was around the corner and, you know, school had just started, It was all about football to me. I mean, I wanted to go on Friday nights to the games and watch, and then that obviously led to finally when I was old enough in high school and I was out there on the field playing. I mean, it was was some of the coolest memories that I have. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, uh, you know, as you get older, as you get away from high school, you can still play, you know, competitive softball. You can play competitive basketball. But how much competitive football – can you play after school unless you're an elite athlete, right? I mean, those nights under the Friday night lights was ju- were just awesome. They, they, they made it worthwhile to suffer through those two-a-day practices, and, you know, you're just completely wore out. But when you did that little walk from, you know, the locker room out to the Nick and then get ready to play and have that first hit, it, there's no, no other feeling like it. I mean, I, I haven't had, like, those butterflies that you have uh, before a football game really sense a football game. I don't know, there's just something about it where it just gets their blood going like nothing else really can. And like you said, it's the only opportunity you really have to play football, which is, in my opinion, the best sport ever created. And you only have, you know, 
18 years of your life to play it, really. Yeah, and especially, you know, you grow up in a town like we did in Corona, you know, make kind of a smaller town where the whole community rallies around the football team like that. So, you know, when you're out there representing your community, you're representing Corona, you know, specifically for us, that makes it really cool. And then, you know, you grow up with some of your best friends. You know, people come in and out or whatever, but for the most part, it's the same core of friends that you started off playing, you know, recess backyard football with, and now you're out there strapping it up for, you know, the black and gold or wherever you went to school, and you're playing on Friday nights, and it's the coolest thing. And like you said, right, you know, for us, that, that walk that you mentioned, Ted, from the locker room at the high school across the street through the parking lot to the field, hearing the click-clack of the cleats. Yes. I mean, there there is nothing cooler, and there would be people lined up along the roads, you know, egging you on, cheering you on that you can hear the band in the background, you know, there's a little crispness in the air starting to cool off. I mean, man, it gives me chills just thinking about it. It, it. It's such a cool memory. Yeah, and I don't know about you guys. I mean, I love the games, but honestly, like, I was more nervous during the games than I, like, really could enjoy. I enjoyed the app, like, after you win, like, there's nothing more. Like, a, it's like a runner's high, you know, after you win, it's you can't beat it. But some of, like, my favorite uh, memories are, like, at practice, because I remember one day, Okay, so I'll, I'll leave this, this a quick little story. So there was always dissension between, like, the junior class and the senior class my senior year on our football team. I don't know. We had something like 21 senior starters or something, and the juniors didn't like that. I, they, I guess they thought that they deserved, you know, to start more players. So one, like, middle of the season, for some reason, Wednesday night or Monday night, they held a juniors-only player meeting. And it was basically, you know uh, – bitch fest about how they wanted more playing time and it wasn't fair and all and like yada yada well the seniors heard about it uh and every tuesday our practices were called like savage tuesdays by our coach because that was the only day we were in full pads and it was like full go so during the day at school after the seniors had heard about this meeting that had taken place there was a lot of trash talk about how they were coming for blood uh, after these juniors so, and, and on our senior class, I mean, we had three D2 linemen on our offensive line who were seniors. So it was fair to say that we had the muscle on that side. You guys were and loaded. I just, and I just remember, I mean, like I said, you have 21 senior starters. I mean, it's you're going to have a little bit an edge in like a fight, I guess. But so I just so going into practice, I just remember you go in the locker room and seniors are drinking creatine and like <laughs> just getting psyched up like it's a game, and they just go out to practice like it's a war. And long story short, our practice that day, uh, there was a few injuries and a few uh, heads getting knocked off. So of the ju- of the remember. juniors of, of the, the juniors yeah. of the juniors. Yes. <laughs> You know, I had one memory of, of practice, obviously some great memories under, underneath the lights, and I get what you're saying about being nervous because, I mean, Matt, you were a wide receiver. I was a receiver and a defensive back. Uh, Jared was the quarterback, and starting quarterback for two years. That that had to be a bit nerve-wracking. You know, that's where that's where all the barbershop talk is the next day, you know, and, and uh, you did a nice job playing QB, but I could I could see where you – that would be pretty nerve-wracking. You know, going into your, your mental thought process, process did you think of stuff like that what, what was what was your biggest concern turning the ball over yeah a little, like just stuff like, and I just, that's how I've always been I hope that's like one of my biggest I don't know problems I guess I, I do get a little bit too nervous for stuff like that and looking back like I just wish I could like tell myself like relax like it's not that big deal but it really was like you talk about Andrew Luck has like the whole mental sign of having to like rehab and stuff I'm sure like the pressure kind of has something to do with that as well well do you, just, I don't know do that you agree man I mean it, that, that that comes more with the quarterback position well I think so I mean definitely more on their shoulders of running the offense and you know it, it, you kind of like it's kind of like a starting pitcher in baseball if 
the team wins or loses, a lot of people point to the starting pitcher in baseball. It's kind of the same with football, you know, whether it's right or wrong. If the team wins or loses, if Jared had a bad game, it, it's all Jared's fault because he's the quarterback. You know, maybe not necessarily that extreme, but you know what I'm saying. You know, so me, I, I was, you know, there were there were some nerves. I was always just so hyped. I was always just so ready to get out there. And honestly, I was telling the coaches in the sidelines, I was telling in the huddle, I was just constantly saying, basically like Keyshawn Johnson, give me the damn ball. <laughs> I was saying, just keep throwing me the ball. I don't care what you do. I was just like, keep feeding me the ball. So I, it was just like an excitement thing for me. Well, I know. That's I... what every wide receiver does. That's what I've kind of learned. That's <laughs> what that's wide receiver would be the best position to play, I think, in football. Speak. Yeah, it was, it was definitely fun, and, you know, you just got to make sure you, you don't, don't drop anything. If it hits in the hands, yeah. don't drop it. Well, that's the key right there. And, in fact, one of the stories I had was uh, when I was a junior, I was a backup quarterback, but I, I started on defense in the secondary, but on offense, you know, I was trying to find a spot. I didn't want to sit the bench offensively all year, and we were having a practice, and I played for the legendary coach Nick Anise, and the quarterback was throwing the ball in practice, and the receivers kept dropping it, and he says, God damn it! Can anybody catch the ball? And this is this is what I did. Believe it or not, I I just jumped right up to the line, lined up at wide receiver. The next pass came out, a little look in pass. I had a dive, but I caught it. From that point on, I was starting receiver for Corona. So, you just, so you so basically you can run out there and block. <laughs> in, well, in those days we didn't throw we didn't throw the ball a lot, but at least I was on the field. <laughs> And the rest is history. I mean, you, you're not in the record books for the uh, the receiving stuff, but, I mean, you're still in the record books for the interceptions that you had. Uh, the current coach at Corona, Kyle Robinson, he sent me recently yeah. the updated record books, and uh, you still stand there. A few of my records in, in the receiving, you know, statistics still stand. You know, now trying to do some math right now. 17 years later <laughs> since I played, that's crazy. And, yeah, Jared still has some records standing. So that's pretty cool to think about. I mean, I know people rip on people who talk about their high school, you know, living in the glory days or whatever. But when you have some records that stand, especially like as long as yours, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, my, uh, my claim to fame, I caught more passes from opposing quarterbacks than my own. Uh, what was your guys' record? Seven and two. It's not that oh, bad. No, your junior year wasn't it? Five and four. Five oh, and four. Okay I, okay, I thought that you were talking about your junior year when you said seven and two. No, that's kind of that's what you like to do for basketball anyway. When you guys went zero and twenty. Well, we'll never live that one down. Yeah, that's tough to live down. But talk about high school football, and we'll have the experts coming up from around the whole state of Michigan talking about their area teams and players and everything. But since we since we're all record breaking players at Corona, we've moved on to kind of the the media side of it and ted you've been doing it for a long time i covered high school football a little bit in local news and we do here at espn a little bit obviously cover some high school football and stuff and jared you're getting into it so it's kind of cool to still be involved in the game right oh it really is i mean i'm starting my 34th season calling play-by-play of area high school i mean I, the highlights have just been tremendous in that amount of time i'd say probably the, the number one uh was calling the 1998 Chesanine Indian State Championship. You know, I, I wish it would have been my Corona Cavaliers, but I always liked the people up at Chesanine. They had a special season that year. Ryan Brady, a, a, a podcast supporter and former guest, was the quarterback. He had a record-setting performance in the state championship game. You know, they beat uh, they beat Lowell. I think it was Lowell. But anyway, they won 41-38. to It was a shootout. It was just absolutely tremendous. Also, some other great memories I had. There were Corona at home. This might have been in the, the late 80s, early 90s. They, they were playing St. John's, trailing 28 to nothing, and it was in the second quarter. 
the lights went out and they had a big long delay. It might have even been the third quarter. They're down 28 to nothing. They charged back, believe it or not, tied the game up at 28 and won it in overtime. That that was pretty memorable. And also, you know, other great memories I had. I have to keep it in the family a little bit. I had a chance to watch Jared his two brothers, I watched my brother George and John perform. You know, I watched every one of their games. So those were highlights. The 76 Cavaliers, another great team. I would imagine they'll be in the Hall of Fame someday at Corona. And then maybe right behind the 98 Chesanine Indian State Championship would be the first Corona and Owasso game. You know, Corona's up 10 points, a minute and a half to go. You're not going to lose that game, right? They give up two touchdowns, the second touchdown after a successful onside kick by Owasso, and 30-27, to 27, the Trojans win it. Even though our Cavaliers didn't win that one, that might have been the highlight of my broadcasting career. It was just incredible, the atmosphere. You know, how many years Owasso and Corona, the, the fans always said, hey, they got to play each other, and it finally happened, and it lived up to all the hype. That's what I got here on this special podcast. Oh, I, I remember that game because I was in middle school at the time, and I remember I had older siblings in high school and everything, so I remember exactly what you're talking about, the hype around that game. I was the little kid, you know, you guys know, over on the over by the bathrooms, over in the side, like playing football during <laughs> yep, the game. Yep. I remember going up to the fence and watching the end of that game because the crowd was going crazy and stuff. So even as a middle schooler, I, I could tell how, how big that game was. But you, you got to – Probably part of the perks, though, getting all that free pizza and crazy bread. That's got to be some of the best memories, right? Oh, that it never hurts. That's why I'm in the condition I'm in. Talked about it before, but, you know, as a broadcaster, it, it had to be pretty cool seeing Jared and, you know, other nephews and family playing, right? Oh, yeah. You know, we dog on each other, but really it was special. Like I said, I started off watching my brothers and then being able to see Jared and the boys, Josh and Johnny. It, it, was, it was quite a moment. And this capped off by Jared, frankly. I mean, he's my favorite quarterback from Corona. <laughs> a little bit of bias there. Yeah, a little biased. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, but that kind of led right into my coverage memory, Matt, when you were mentioning the free crazy bread and stuff like that. So back when I was in my younger days, like middle school or so, every Saturday we used to go and announce at the Corona Youth Football Games. And basically what that meant was you had an unlimited spending limit at the concession stand. <laughs> you'd go down, you'd tell them, oh, this is for, this is for the press box. And that was, those were the – there'd be like three, four of my friends up there. We would spend the whole day there, and it was just a blast, you know, kind of making like inside jokes over like when you're announcing, and you just – I literally probably would run up like a $30, $30 bill that day at the concession stand little side note on that i remember broadcasting basketball games when jared was a youngster and he loved his pizza for sure uh, i remember getting him on the airwaves as you know you know how, you know like they do or they say hey pizza and hot dogs half price when it's late in the game you could bank on it when they said it's half price jared was making a fast beeline to the concession stand he, was taking, he, he took all of his lawnmower money there <laughs> for when, when pizza and crazy bread was half price yep <laughs> It's one of my first memories when I, for Fox 17, who, who Jared's with right now, um, when I was, first time I had to fly solo and take a live truck out to a game and run the whole ship. We were out to Allendale. The reporter, his name's Steve Amaros. Um, he's no longer with Fox 17, but he was a, one of our sports reporters. Him and I went out to Allendale to cover their game. It was the weekend before uh, Labor Day, so it was a Thursday night. You know, everyone's ready for the holiday weekend, high school football kickoff. I'm excited because it's my first time running the live truck, doing the camera, editing, feeding it back. I was pumped to, like, prove myself, you know. 
So we're out there. We do our pregame hit for the pregame blitz show, and everything went well. You know, I got the mask up. I found the shot. You know, everything went well. Uh, we I shot the highlights for the game on the sidelines, you know, put together a package. We did our postgame hit. You know, like, everything was great. I was like, man, I, I really proved myself. About when we were doing our postgame hit, monsoon, I mean, just a downpour. Everyone basically left. I'm sitting there. Steve, he, our, the reporter, he was taking off because he was, like, heading up north for the weekend. He was like, you got this? He drove his own car, so he didn't have to go back to the station. I was like, yeah, yeah, I got it. I'm good. So I start, you know, I'm, like, finishing up, cleaning up all my equipment, winding up a soaking wet cable, you know, making sure everything's good. One thing, I took out an old uh, live truck, one of the station's oldest live trucks. Something no one told me. If the gas got down to a quarter tank, everything shut off. <laughs> so I'm sitting there, the mast is still all the way up, and I'm like, okay, cool, I got a quarter tank. Jared, you know what, probably where I'm talking. I'm at Allendale High School, and I know there's a speedway right there. So I was like, cool, I'm going to get everything down. I'm going to stop at that speedway before I head back to the station and be good to go. No one told me at a quarter tank everything shuts down. Boom, the mast gets about halfway down shuts off i was like uh what's going on i'm you know trying to figure stuff out basically there was only a couple people left at the station calling i'm saying you know what do i do what's going on here so someone finally tells me that i find someone to like take me up to the gas station to i got like a five gallon tank to put enough gas to at least get me to the station <laughs> the mask still didn't come down so i'm driving with like a mask <laughs> up uh soaking wet my shorts ripped because they were wet and i was like trying to jump up on the truck and do all this stuff <laughs> all while i'm thinking i'm supposed to be heading up north that night too i finally get to the gas station i, I fill it up get everything figured out everything went fine but that was that that memory sticks out to me because i was just like man i i was so on such a high that i did so well and then it all came crashing down <laughs> that's a good story i hadn't heard that one before yeah. i could picture it you told it well yeah, it was good stuff. Jared, you haven't run into any of that yet in your broadcasting career, have you? Um, not really. I mean, I can re I can relate to how cold and wet Matt. Because I remember Central versus Western. It was like the least attended game. <laughs> like I think of all time last year, there was maybe like ten people in the stands because it was like sleeting and raining, and it was so windy and cold that entire day. And it was like it was one of those like a October game, you know, where it we had never really it hadn't snowed yet, and like all I had up from college was like kind of my fall gear like I didn't have any winter gear with me so I was wearing like a kind of like a fleece jacket like a very thin jacket and I've never been colder than I was it literally like it was all I could think about like you know how they say like when you're holding your breath like all you can think about is how you want air doing this entire game all I could think about was how cold I was yeah. and how much I was looking forward to getting in, back into a heated car see that's that's the price you pay for all the the food at halftime you know those kind of perks Oh, yeah. Well, it's just karma for all the pizza and stuff that I basically stole when I was younger. <laughs> well, as I know, is it's it's football season, boys. You know, we've got the college underway. Pros are going to be coming soon. But this is, uh, this is high school football time, and we're really looking forward to uh, catching up with the experts in the state. So keep it tuned right here. Advanced Elevator Company features top expert field technicians for installation, troubleshooting, and repair of elevators. An area business leader and longtime supporter of the Corona Public Schools and a proud partner of Three Point Podcast. Hey, Ryan Slocum here, the sports director at uh, ABC 12 in Flint. I can't believe it. This is my 18th season covering high school football in the mid-Michigan area. 
time flies by. We got a bunch of good uh, players and teams again this year hoping to make a run in the state tournament once again. You got to start, I guess, with New Lothrop, the only area team that did win a state title a year ago. They should be good again. The quarterback is back, and that's where, as we know, that's where it all starts and stops. He'll be moving on to Grand Valley next season. They do lose some key pieces, but uh, they should be solid once again in the Mid-Michigan Activities Conference. The the real story, I think, for us this season is the new-look Metro League. You know, a lot of the teams that left the GAC with, with the formation of the Mid-Michigan Conference last year a bunch of those teams that were in the GAC Red have now moved on to the new Metro League, and that'll be really interesting. The bigger schools are in one division. It's the Stars and Stripes division. The uh, smaller schools are going to be in another division, and you, it's going to be interesting on both sides. Fenton won seven straight Metro League titles until last year when it was shared by Flushing and Brandon. Flushing loses darn near everybody, so it's going to be interesting to see how they fare. Fenton should be good once again. Um, so you would expect them to be the favorite there on the one side in the bigger schools. And then on the other side, man, who knows? It's going to be interesting. Goodrich should be great. There's, everything starts and stops for them, of course, with Tyson Davis. That kid's incredible. He's going to be playing D1 football somewhere. So that's going to be really interesting. And then, of course, the Saginaw Valley League, always interesting to see what's going on there. Lapeer has been the strength uh, of that conference ever since the East and West combined. They're going to be awesome again this year. Phoenix Dixon, he is an incredible football player. You're going to be seeing him all over the field, both offensively and defensively. They went undefeated last year before losing to Clarkston, I believe, in the third round of the playoffs. So they should be solid once again. And also Davison's got to replace Cannon Hall at QB. But they got a guy that they think is pretty awesome. His name is Brendan Sullivan, and he's got some guys to throw to as well. One name you're going to be hearing a lot is Latrell Fordham. He hasn't played much. He's bounced around. He's a transfer from Grand Blank. Didn't get to play a year ago. Expect big things out of Latrell Fordham. He's going to go on to Ball State to play, so you know that uh, he's pretty darn good. I'm really looking at that at that Metro League. It's really going to be interesting, especially, you know, both sides. you got a couple of the teams that were already in the Metro yep. who've moved over the smaller school. And it'll be interesting to see how they fare there. Um, and then, of course, as you said, Fenton, can they bounce back? Yeah, there is one more player from the area, and how can you forget he's the highest-ranked player in our area, and that is Beecher's Ernest Sanders. The kid went for 15 touchdowns last year through the year. Over 1,000 yards on 40 catches. He had six touchdowns on the ground. They love running that sweep with him, and he takes off and goes forever. He also had three kick returns for touchdowns last year. Big dude, 6'3", can jump out of the gym or the field or the bleachers or whatever you're talking about. If you've seen him play basketball, you know that. He's going to be moving on to Kentucky next season to play football. Somehow he got out of the state. His dad's a U of M guy. And uh, they didn't really jump on him all that much. Michigan State wanted him for both football and basketball. But he decides to go down to Kentucky. And, man, he is something special to watch. Also a great defensive back. Uh, the 15th-ranked player, I believe, in the state by 24-7. Great kid. He'll, they will go as far as he goes. And we're not quite sure yet, but his brother is expected to be the quarterback. That hasn't been named just yet. Jacoby Sanders. That will be quite the combo. The Sanders boys 
uh, hooking up. But, man, if you go to a game and you want to see one dude that is really going to put on a highlight show for you, this is the guy. He is an incredible athlete, and he's a whole lot of fun to watch. So whether Beecher does get into the playoffs for the second straight year, that'll probably be because Sanders is doing a whole lot of stuff. They will go as far as he takes them. Yeah, I really appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, as always, ABC 12 is the place to have the best highlights, the best reactions, the best storylines, everything is uh, on ABC 12, and that is every single Friday night during the 11 o'clock news. That is the highlight zone, uh, except for this week. The first week, like everybody else, because of the high, uh, the holiday, we will be on Thursday at 11 o'clock for week one. That'll be our first show of the year. And then after that, Highlight Zone will be uh, the place to be every Friday night at 11. Also, we do Highlight Zones uh, pregame shows from the Michigan-Michigan State game. We'll be there before that game. The Michigan-Ohio State game, we'll have a special Highlight Zone for you. And, uh, yeah, and throughout the week as well, we do our Athlete of the Week every Wednesday. That is during the 5 o'clock news. And that'll be maybe not even just somebody who had a great week on Friday night, but maybe somebody who has a great story as well. Uh, maybe some, something behind the scenes that is awesome. We do uh, our Athlete of the Week brought to you by El Sarah every single Wednesday, and that'll start in September. So hope everybody can join us. And uh, once again, appreciate you guys having me on. I'm Brian Calloway with the Lansing State Journal. And to look at some key teams in the Lansing area heading into the season, I think you always have to start with Paloma Westphalia. Now they're a team that's reloading again. They were stopped in the regional last year after winning a couple of state championships. And they're a team that's hungry and have a championship mentality at that school. Obviously, when you look at last year, they're a school that you know won state titles in girls basketball, boys basketball, had a deep run in uh, baseball, got to the, the state semifinals as well, too. And had a championship competitive cheerleading team as well, too. And the football team is out to kind of continue and add on to the winning culture at that school. So I think that's definitely the school that you have to look for when you look at teams in the Lansing area. But you also have to look at a team like East Lansing, which might be, you know, one of the most talented teams here in the Lansing area and has a, a highly sought-after uh, uh, junior wide receiver in Andrew Anthony, who is offers from Michigan and Michigan State. A lot of other Big Ten schools are looking at him as well, too. So he's an exciting player, and East Lansing should be an exciting team in the area, as well as you know, some of those other teams, like DeWitt is a team that you annually hear about and was a team that made it to the state semifinals last year. Hold is a team that has uh, been talked about a lot in the preseason and has a lot of talent back. Now, Portland is a team that was a state runner-up in Division Five last year. And obviously, they're looking to retool and you know be another strong, have another strong season as has been the custom custom thing under Coach John Navarro there as well too. So, I mean, I think you know those are some of the teams that are kind of the starting points. You know, Lansing Catholic is also a team that is uh, generally always a, a good team here in the Lansing area under Coach Jim Ahern. And you know, Ithaca is another team that has annually been good under what uh, Terry Hesbrook and the leadership that he has there. And just, you know, we're a little bit of a down year last year after some injuries, but they've always had a, a strong program over the last decade here. When you look at players in the Lansing area, I think it definitely starts with uh, one of the top seniors in the area, which is Eston Miles. He's a senior defensive lineman. He's committed to Western Michigan in June. And, you know, he was a key part of that defense last year that helped Williamson make a run to the state semifinals. And if Williamson is going to have another strong season, he's going to be one of the key pieces defensively for them. So I think, you know, he's definitely one of the top players in the area, you know, Mason Gilbert, a, a senior tight end for DeWitt, he's another player to keep an eye on this season. Last year wasn't a big factor much 
on offense after he actually he just converted over to tight end last year after being the offensive tackle pretty much most of his life. But he's got a lot of size, six foot seven. Uh, he's really you know just taking charge over the summer and become even much better according to Coach Rob Zimmerman. And look for him to be a big part of this the win offense and to be quite featured a lot more for them, especially with all the loss losses they had from last year's uh, state semifinal team. Andrew Anthony, as I mentioned before, I mean he's another player definitely to watch out for in the Lansing area. He was first on the scene as a receiver last year, was a key cog for a Lansing team that only lost twice, both to DeWitt, and he should be a big factor in what East Lansing does. Obviously, the guy that Michigan, Michigan State offers, and a lot of other schools that have offered him, and he just really had a big offseason where a lot of attention came his way. So, you know, those three definitely, and some other players, Jojo Martinez from Holt, he could be a player that's exciting. Nick Steinacker from Corona, obviously he's got a Michigan offer and was a force in the defensive line for them last year as well, too. So, I mean, I just think those five are definitely players to, to keep an eye on this fall as you uh, look at Lansing area football. Uh, Storylines in the Lansing area, I think one of the most exciting conference races that uh, will be seen this fall is in the CAAC Red, where a lot of different teams, I think, can be in the mix for the title. Uh, Hazlitt, Williamson, and St. John's, they all shared the title last year, but a lot of those teams lost a lot of uh, talent from last year. So I think that league is open. You know, Mason could be in the mix for that. Obviously, St. John's with the new coach, Andy Schmidt, who's a, a former uh, quarterback at Eastern Michigan. I mean, that adds a little bit of intrigue to that league as well, too, and maybe what St. John's can, can do this season as well, too. So I think that C-double-A-C red race is going to be very interesting, as well as the C-double-A-C blue race in the Lansing area as well, too. When you look at East Lansing and DeWitt and Holt, I mean, I think you know any one of those three teams might have the – the chance to win it, and obviously DeWitt has had a long streak of, of winning league titles and hasn't won a league, hasn't lost a league game in a while as well, too, so they will be tested by East Lansing and Holt this season, and DeWitt is trying to reload after losing a lot from their state semifinal team last year as well, too, so a lot of young players have to grow up quickly, and even in, in the uh, lowest division of the CAAC conferences, the CAAC White, uh, Portland and Lansing Catholic are teams that have annually you know, kind of been the two dominant teams in that league, and both lost a lot to graduation last year, and you know, I think I expect the race to come down between both of those two teams, and I think that's you know one of the exciting things going on in the area as well too. And the other you know big storyline is there's you know a lot of new coaches as you know, we continue to see more and more turnover. But you know Andy Schmidt's one of those notable new coaches here in, in the Lansing area. You know Mike Sparks at Charlotte. I mean he's a guy that has some indoor co- uh, football, uh, professional football coaching experience at you know, for the Kalamazoo explosion, and he's coached at the college level at Alavet College, so he's another intriguing new coach. You look at Leslie, he has a new coach, Greg Paskinda, who obviously was at Alma College, uh, was a coach there for a while, got to start actually at Michigan State as a grad assistant as well, too, so he's another intriguing new coach that is in the area as well, too, so just a, a number of new coaches that, you know, could, you know, add a little uh, unique storylines here to the Lansing area this fall. All right, and uh, yeah, Brian Calloway from the Lansing State Journal. You can find our content uh, at LSJ Sports, and you know you can find myself at Brian B R I A N underscore C A L L O W A Y. I'm Jason Fielder from WNEM TV Five, and three of the teams that we're looking at this year. I mean, really, we cover the whole area, whether it's from the north to the south, uh, north of West Branch south of Fenton, east all the way to the lake and Harbor Beach, and west all the way to Beale City. But three teams that kind of stick out. First off is the defending state champion, New Lothar Hornets. 
Uh, how good can they be? They lost some talent from last year's team, but they've been really good over the last decade or so, year in and year out. Uh, and number two, I'd probably say Swan Valley. They had a little bit of a disappointment last year, and everybody expected them to get back to the state championship after losing in the state title game two years ago. They felt just short of that, and I think they're going to be motivated and hungry uh, to prove people wrong and uh, try and get back to the title game and this time bring home a state championship. And the third team, I guess, I would say Frankenmuth. They're a team that year in and year out makes the playoffs, and recently they've been very good where they you know, have zero or one losses in the regular season, and they're starting to make deeper and deeper runs into the postseason. So those are probably the three teams from at least the WNEM viewing area that I've got my eye on to start the season. The top three players that I'm looking at in our area, I'm really going down the list from 247 Sports, the top-ranked high school players in Michigan. Uh, three of them in the top 25 are from our viewing area. At number 16, Ernest Sanders, the uh, basketball and football star at Flint Beecher. He plays wide receiver for the Bucks football team. He's committed to Kentucky. The guy is one of the best dunkers on the basketball court, and he is electric with the ball in his hands. Uh, regardless of the sport, whether it's football or basketball. The 18th-ranked player in the state of Michigan, according to 247 Sports, is Devil Washington, the wide receiver at Bay City Central. Uh, this guy has been on my radar since I saw him a couple years ago as an underclassman. He is just tall, fast, and elusive. And, boy, when he has the ball, great things happen. Uh, on the football field, and he's committed to West Virginia, so I'm interested to see how good he can be this season. And then number 24 in the top-ranked players in high school in Michigan, according to 247 Sports, and another guy I've got my eye on is Dustin Fletcher, the quarterback at Carmen Ainsworth. I believe he has started since a, he's been a freshman, and he is a dual threat, but he's a great passer. Uh, he's also a, a, an excellent basketball player. He's committed to Northern Illinois. Uh, I'm interested to see just how good he can be now as a senior because it seems like he's been playing there and starting at varsity forever. Every year he gets better and better, and as he gets better and better, you think how far can he carry his Cavaliers team. So those are probably the three players from our viewing area that I've got my eye on the most as we start the football season. Uh, to me, the top three storylines entering the high school football season in mid-Michigan First off is all the new conferences and the teams that have moved around from the area to try and get a more competitive balance in their leagues or conferences. There's all sorts of, of new conferences, divisions, things of that nature. There's no more Tri-Valley Conference East Division. There's two Flint Metro Leagues. How will that play out? How will that be in terms of competitiveness? And then also a couple teams that now have a smaller conference. There's some Flint schools there that have kind of been left in the dust, and then some teams that used to be in conferences and now they're independents. I think that's a big storyline. Number two would be can New Lothrop repeat? Obviously, it is so hard to do that when you lose players to graduation every year. They've got a great program. They've had a lot of success over the last decade or so, and uh, now they're going to have the target on their back. They won the state championship last year. And then the third one, and maybe it is, is up your alley for your listeners, can a thumb team get back to Ford Field? It's been seven years. It's hard to believe, but it's been seven years. Harbor Beach in 2012, 
at least in 11-player football. They won the Division Eight state title that year. Uh, can a team emerge from the thumb? I know it's so difficult when you're a public school battling the private schools, especially in the smaller divisions, because a lot of those teams that have great success, looking at Muskegon Catholic Central, they come from a much bigger city, and they pull from the, the bigger schools in that city. And so really they have uh, an insane amount of elite talent from a huge area, whereas we know public schools in the thumb, small communities, great players, great talent, uh, especially when you look at percentage-wise for how many kids are there. And uh, so, you know, it'd be neat to, to see a, a thumb team emerge. Uh, there's a lot of candidates, as always, that have a chance of making a deep run in the playoffs. But it's been seven years, so uh, to me a storyline to look out for is can a team from the thumb get back to Ford Field? And you can check out the best highlights from around the viewing area in the mid-Michigan area uh, every Friday night on WNEM TV 5's Friday Night Lights. That's coming to you during the 11 p.m. news. And uh, we'll also post the uh, highlights. If you missed the newscast or you want to watch it again, we'll have the highlights on our website later that night. And uh, that's every week all the way up until the uh, championship weekend there around Thanksgiving. I'm Jason Hutton from Fox 17 in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area, and we're getting excited for the 2019 season, high school football. Get going with the Blitz on Thursday, August the 29th. Taking a look at three players to watch to start out. A couple obvious ones. Kim Martinez, the quarterback from Muskegon, who committed to Ohio State back on the 4th of July. He'll definitely be a player to watch. Interesting with him is that he may not play as much quarterback this season as he did a year ago. They have a young junior, Mari Crowley, that they're excited about, so they're going to move Cam around a little bit, play him at some quarterback, play him and Crowley in the backfield together. But Cam Martinez is a really, really good player and someone to watch as Muskegon looks to get back to Ford Field for the seventh time in eight years. There are a couple other guys already committed to the Big Ten schools from the area. Two of them are at East Kentwood, uh, Bryce Mostella and Dallas Fincher. Mostella, a defensive end, going to Penn State and Dallas Fincher, an offensive tackle going to Michigan State. Those guys are certainly some players to watch. East Kentwood always has some really good big linemen. Last year they sent three kids to the Big Ten, Mozzie Smith to Michigan, Logan Brown and Stephon Bracey, both to the University of Wisconsin. So they continually produce good players. That's no different this year. They'll be a team to watch in the OK Red. Last year the Falcons won the OK Red with an undefeated conference schedule. But a third player I want to focus on to watch in our area is a little bit south of Grand Rapids down in Schoolcraft. A kid by the name of Kobe Clark. Some people may remember his dad, Benny Clark, who ran for the Ravenna Bulldogs back in the 90s with several trips to the Silver Dome under Dusty Fairfield. Now, Kobe is the youngest of three sons for Benny, and he is such a fun running back to watch. Wears number 20 like his dad, runs like his dad. Such a special player, four-year varsity player. And when you look at Schoolcraft, they are just loaded at their skilled positions. They brought back their quarterback, Alex Stoll, who was a sophomore last year, and several receivers that started as sophomores last year. So I think Schoolcraft, which is traditionally strong, is going to be a team to watch. And you have to see Kobe Clark if you're in the West Michigan area because he is worth the price of admission. If we look at three teams to watch, we kind of have to go back to Muskegon. I mean, their team has been to Fort Field year in and year out, two years ago winning the state championship, losing last year in the final. I mean, they are motivated to get back and try to win one. Of course, their schedule is unbelievable. They play Warren De La Salle in the prep kickoff classic at Wayne State next Friday, 
De La Salle was the Division II state champion a year ago. And then week two, Muskegon goes to Detroit Martin Luther King, the team it lost to in the state championship game last year after beating the Crusaders in the regular season at Hackley Stadium in Muskegon. So I, I think Muskegon is, is head and shoulders the best team in the Fox 17 viewing area to start the season. But their schedule is tough. But if anybody can handle it, it's the Big Reds. Another team that I'm interested in watching this fall is going to be Hudsonville. Now, the Oakley Reds always wide open. I already talked a little bit about East Kentwood. There's lots of contenders in that league. I think Hudsonville has a chance to be really, really good. They've got the bulk of their offensive line back. And, and most high school football games are won and lost at the trenches, but especially in the OK Red. Hudsonville is big and talented up front, and I think they're going to be really good. They have a four-year varsity player in, Bray, in uh, Braden Bredeveld that plays wide receiver and plays some defensive back as well. So as we watch the OK Red race, I'm really going to be keeping my eye on Hudsonville. And a third team for me to watch is Portage Northern. That's a school that had arguably its best season in school history last year. They opened their brand-new stadium. For the first time ever, they had a home stadium, Husky Stadium, last year, and they ran with it. They won nine games. They won a district championship, eventually losing in the regional final to who would eventually be state runner-up, Mona Shores. But you look at Portage Northern, nine wins is the most in school history. It tied the 1981 team. When you look at them coming back with eight or nine starters on the defensive side and then a backfield led by Tyler Amos and Anthony Tyus, I mean, I think Portage Northern has a chance to be even better than they were a year ago and certainly probably win a smack West uh, West Division title as well. So that's my third team to keep an eye on. When we look at storylines for the 2019 season, well, you got to start with Rockford. In the last few years, it just seems to be a lot of things going on with that program. This year, legendary head coach Ralph Munger begins his 28th season, but he's not going to start out coaching because he had quadruple bypass surgery recently. It'll be interesting to see how Rockford rallies around that. They have interim coach Randy Vanderveen, who's been the defensive coordinator for Ralph Munger for the last 22 years, and he's as good as they come in terms of coaches. So he's going to be certainly a guy that can keep that program ready to go. And Coach Munger is said to be doing well and is hoping to return to the sidelines at some point this season. Another storyline we'll be watching this season on the Blitz will be just some of these OK Conference races because they always seem to deliver great races. And for me, it's the OK Gold. you got Grand Rapids Christian, who returns almost everybody off a team that won a district championship a year ago. They are loaded one of the best teams, and they could potentially be falling to Division Four. So will that happen? And then what does that mean for the posting? But you look at their, their OK Gold schedule. I mean, we have East Grand Rapids, who returns a ton. The Pioneers will have 27 seniors this season. They had a good season last year. In fact, Grand Rapids Christian and East Grand Rapids shared the OK Gold. But there is depth in this league. You have South Christian, which is always tough. They have a new coach in Danny Brown, but I expect the Steelers are going to be tough. You have Thornapple Kellogg out of Middleville, who kind of came out of nowhere last year to win seven games and host a playoff game. Well, they return most of their skill guys. They have a lot to replace up front. The TK under third-year head coach Jeff Dock will certainly be a team that can contend in that OK gold. So with the, with that depth, I think that league race is going to be one to watch. And, and a third storyline as we head into the 2019 season for me is just going to be watching some of these players because they've become West Michigan has really produced some, some big time talent. And you look at, at a guy like Jace Williams at a Grand Rapids Catholic Central. And as we look towards the playoffs, Grand Rapids Catholic Central is a team that should be very good again. Now last year they lost in the semifinals to eventual state champion Edwardsburg, but they got a wide receiver named Jace Williams. He's six three, two hundred and fifteen pounds. He's a junior. He already has an offer from Michigan State. He has several D one offers. His power five offers from Michigan State, which he recently picked up, and he is fun to watch on the outside. He can kind of just throw it up and let him go get it. So what I'm looking for is will we see Grand Rapids Christian, Grand Rapids Catholic Central in a division four 
uh, playoff game. And then where does Edwardsburg fall in all that in terms of the playoff bracket as well? There's, division four is always the, the division to really watch in West Michigan, outside, of course, Muskegon in Division three. So I think we're set up for a big year in Division four this year. Should Grand Rapids Christian, which is enrollment is down a little bit, fall to Division four like most people think they will. So there's a lot to keep us busy here as we get ready for the 2019 season, and we're just ready to kick it off. The Blitz can be caught every Friday night. Of course, week one, Thursday, August 29th, will be on Thursday night. But after that, every Friday night, 1030 to 1130 on Fox 17. And you can catch everything you miss on Fox17online.com. Also, don't miss us on Twitter, at Fox17Blitz. This is Ryan Weiss, and I am the sports editor at the Argus Press in Owasso, covering uh, Shiawassee County football. The, uh, the teams that I'm looking out for uh, this year, they were all playoff teams last year, uh, and I think they're going to be pretty good again. We'll start off with Ovidelci. They've made the playoffs uh, 10 times since 2005, including last year, but they haven't won a postseason game since 2009, which coincidentally was Chris Robinson's final year. I'm sure you remember uh, Chris Robinson. was a great player uh, for Ovidelci. Uh, still holds a lot of records for us. Part of the reason that they've not won a playoff game in that time is they've uh, they've had some tough playoff matchups. Uh, they played Franklin's a lot. They played Fort- Portland a couple of times. Played uh, some Catholic. So I think, you know, if they start off the season right in week one, which they're going to get Portland, which is their traditional you know, week one matchup. If they can win that game, I think that would springboard them to a really good season. You know, if they can win uh, eight or nine games instead of winning six or seven, that would go a long way into getting a better playoff matchup, you know, in the first round. Uh, And maybe they can, uh, you know, get past the first round this year. Morris, uh, you know, obviously won the state championship in eight-man last year. Uh, It's going to be interesting to watch them this year, though. Uh, They lost a lot of talent off that team, uh, including Hunter Nowak who was our All-Area Player of the Year in 2017, came back and had another great season last year and was really the catalyst of that offense uh, in leading them to the Superior Dome. You know, you watch that season from last year, and nobody really even challenged them last year, and that includes in the title game against Pickford, which they just dominated. Uh, Pickford was the number one ranked team in the state going into that game, and Morris just ran you know, right through them. It's going to be interesting to see them this year, though, with losing, you know, Noack, Austin Eddington, Connor Lucas, Sam Kresge, those guys are all gone. We're going to have to see if they're going to be as dominant. I wouldn't say that they would be, but I think they're still going to be pretty good. Bringing back a couple of pieces, uh, Shane Cole at defensive back had eight interceptions last year. He should be an important piece this year. Jack Nannis, he uh, was fourth on the team in tackles last year with 60 and six and a half sacks. So he's coming back. So I think they're probably going to try and build around those two guys. But we'll see. Uh, Eight-man football can be uh, really fun to watch, and it'll be interesting to see them this year. All right, uh, another team to watch out for this year is obviously going to be New Oldrip. They won the Division Seven championship last year behind Avery Moore, who was our 2018 uh, Player of the Year. He ran for 1,600 yards and 26 touchdowns. Uh, that was uh, the third-best all-rushing season by a quarterback in Shiawassee County history, so he had a really impressive year. Passed for 1,700 yards and 20, sco- and 20 scores, a three-year starter. He's obviously had a lot of interest last year uh, after the championship you know, run from colleges, and he uh, committed to Grand Valley in July. So he's going to be an important piece. Uh, Obviously, they don't have Aiden Harrison anymore, uh, who was a very talented, uh, you know, receiver slash running back slash defensive back for them. Uh, was a very big uh, uh, piece in that title run, now playing at Missouri. He's not coming back, but 
you know, they've got key position players like Julius Garza, Jacob Graves, Will Miron, Dylan Shadick coming back at key positions. So they're not, the cupboard's not empty in New Orleans by any chance. So uh, we'll see if they can make another run at the title. I think their biggest question mark coming into the season is going to be their offensive line. They lost a little bit of a talent along the offensive line, uh, including uh, All-Stater and Jason Tunstall. So I think their biggest challenge is going to be, uh, you know, keeping Avery Moore upright and opening holes for those backs and receivers. Nick Steinacker, uh, junior from uh, Corona, got an offer last year uh, from Michigan. Primarily interested in his defense is what I understand. Uh, and he was a pretty good defender. Uh, went on to have 57 tackles and five sacks. Uh, was second team all area in that category. Didn't do as much at receiver as we thought he might be. He only ended up with four catches on the year. Uh, but it kind of sounds like uh, Corona will be trying to utilize him a little bit more at receiver this year. So I think he should have a pretty decent season for them again. But obviously, the Corona wants to have a better season overall. He only won one, only won one game last year. Uh, so, you know, I think uh, he'll be a, a very important part in trying to turn that around uh, in Corona. Uh, the Blaha Twins are coming back uh, for a while, so they're going to be very uh, important players for them. And I think they're bringing back their quarterback as well, Brent Hudasek. So he should be an important part, uh, you know, in trying to turn that around. Uh, interesting thing that's going to be, you know, to watch out for with Owasso and Corona this year is the Flint Metro. Uh, which is splitting into two divisions. Uh, and Owasso and Corona are now actually going to be in the same division and playing for league championships. Uh, so that'll be really fun to watch this year. We'll see if Owasso and Corona can be a little bit more competitive, you know, playing schools, you know, of similar sizes. It uh, wasn't as big a problem for Corona last year because they were in the GAC still, playing Lake Fenton and Goodrich, who are also going to be in the Flint Metro now. But those schools are similar size to Corona. Uh, Owasso, however, you know, was playing schools like you know, Fenton, Flushing, you know, schools that had uh, over 15, 1,200, 1,500 kids. Uh, Owasso's not, you know, no longer uh, a Class A school this year. They're down to about, you know, 850, 860 kids. Um, so this uh, new Flint Metro League is going to give them uh, a little bit more level playing field in terms of playing schools of a uh, similar size. Uh, Storyline to watch, maybe not this year. But in the coming years is uh, New Wilshire coach Clint Galvis. He is now the uh, fourth uh, winningest coach in Shiawassee County history, and he's only been here for 10 years. Uh, he has been on a, an insane run you know, the last few years, especially with winning the state championship. To give you a little bit of perspective, uh, he'll pass our all-time wins leader, uh, Roger Bashore of Byron, who's got 157 in the next five years if he keeps winning at the pace he's been winning at. He's at 106 right now. So for to do what he's done in the short amount of time that he's been there, you know, relative, you know, to other coaches who have coached really long tenures uh, in Shiawassee County history, has uh, been really impressive to watch, and it doesn't look like he's going to be slowing down anytime soon. All right, the, this has been Ryan Weiss uh, from the Argus Press. Uh, you can check out our football preview, which is coming out with the our daily paper next Thursday, and it'll also run with the Sunday paper, so be sure to go pick those up. TheCoronaConnection.com knows it's great to be gold. Keep up to date on all that is Corona at CoronaConnection.com. And speaking of Corona, all parents want to do what's best for their child, right? Well, look no further than the Corona Public Schools where nearly 40% of the entire student population are school of choice students. Rated the top high school in Shiawassee County by U.S. News & World Report, young or old, it's great to be gold. Scott Bernstein, Oakland Press, state champs. I've been here in Metro Detroit covering high school football and high school recruiting for 12 years. This is a rundown of the 2019 season in Metro Detroit. 
three teams that I think that people should know about for 2019, starting with West Bloomfield, the number one team in the state, head coach Ron Bellamy, former Michigan Wolverine, former NFL wide receiver, uh, has the Lakers primed again for uh, another long run. They won a district last year, coming off a year in 2017, and they made their first trip to Ford Field in the state finals. They have a loaded lineup, possibly the best uh, running back in the whole nation in Donovan Edwards, who's a junior uh, blue chip recruit. They have Cornell Wheeler and Makari Page headlining their defense. Uh, both are headed to the University of Michigan. Cornell Wheeler uh, was last year's leading tackler in the MHSAA with 150 tackles. He is just a, a beast, a force of nature, sideline to sideline. Makari Page, the best safety prospect in the state of Michigan right now. At the quarterback position, they have C.J. Harris, who's headed to Ohio University, possibly the most underrated uh, Division I recruit right now in the state senior class. I foresee him possibly landing into Big Ten school when it's all said and done um, in signing day. Sterling Miles leads their defense. He's a defensive end that's uh, headed to Cincinnati. And West Bloomfield is locked in and loaded for the 2019 season. Moving on to Belleville, this is a team that has kind of been coined Detroit Cast Tech West. Uh, a lot of the uh, Cast Tech dynasty, the assistant coach Jermaine Crowell, who had learned under Thomas Wiltshire, um, the architect of that Cast Tech dynasty, moved over to Belleville a couple years ago. Crowell is uh, crafting what I like to call a microwave superpower, which could very well become a microwave dynasty. Belleville made their first trip to the Final Four last year, and this year it's four fielder bust. They have their sights squarely set on a state championship, and they have a slew of blue chippers on their roster to head the effort. Christian Dewey-Reed is their quarterback, um, underrated signal caller that um, is small in size but uh, quite big in the stat sheet. Um, he's only about 5'10", uh, but is a, uh, a drop-back specialist, is through, through for 2,800 yards and 45 touchdowns last year. He's got a, a number of weapons in the passing game, including uh, college recruits Jalen Williams and Deion Burks. You move over to defense, they got Jamari Budin, who is being recruited at linebacker by the Big Ten, and they have maybe the best secondary in the state, led by the cornerback tandem of Andre Selden and Brandon Des Fernandez. Selden is going to Michigan. He's the fastest player in the state of Michigan, uh, being clocked at a 4-3. And Des Fernandez is a real sleeper prospect that committed to Iowa in the offseason. Moving over to Detroit King, will be the best team out of the city of Detroit this year. Just a lineup that is peppered with blue chippers, going for a fourth state title in the last five years. They've won three of the last four. Uh, they have a fab freshman quarterback coming in who already has a Michigan offer before he's taken his first varsity snap. His name is Dante D.J. Moore. He'll have the best wide receiver recruit in the state to play catch with in Rashawn Williams, who's headed to Indiana, and the best running back in the senior class headed to Maryland in Penny Boone. If you go to the other side of the ball, they have a very nice secondary led by junior Jalen Reed at the safety spot, who is being recruited by almost every major program in the Big Ten and starting to get a lot of love from down in the SEC and ACC right now. Now i got three players for you that you should be aware of for the 2019, three guys that are uh, going to shine brightly, going to be doing their business on the gridiron and doing it pretty well. Uh, let's start with Justin Rogers, offensive lineman from Oak Park, the number one overall player in the state. He's considered the number one ranked left guard in the nation 
by most recruiting services has slimmed down over the last couple of years. Is about six five, two seventy five right now. Had been over three hundred pounds. Very diverse skill set. In addition to being a great uh, pass protector and run blocker, uh, he moved over to the defensive side of the ball last year and was a presence playing middle linebacker and uh, defensive tackle. Rogers is the type of kid that had offers from almost every program in the country but ended up choosing the University of Kentucky, um, leading a trend of Detroiters heading down to Lexington. In terms of pass catchers, a name you should be aware of, Abdur Rahman Yassin, senior split end from Wild Lake Western. He's committed to Northwestern. He is a six foot one, 185-pound technician of his, at his craft. Yassin is the most technically sound pass catcher in the state of Michigan right now. He's considered the best route runners by scouts. Uh, he's been a four-year starter at Wild Lake Western, caught 53 balls for 950 yards and seven touchdowns last year. Moving on to another player that I think everyone should be aware of over at, in the Down River area at Gibraltar Carlson, Ian Stewart. He's headed to Michigan State. Um, without question, the most versatile player in the state of Michigan right now. He plays quarterback, running back, wide receiver, linebacker, and safety. He also returns kicks. Uh, his brother, Bryce Stewart, will be sharing the backfield with him this year, and they should be a, an exciting fire and ice tandem for Carlson Downriver. One of the most prominent storylines for 2019 is what's happening over at North Farmington. You have the entire staff from historic Farmington Hills. Harrison has come over there to rejuvenate the Raiders football program. It's a homecoming of sorts for John Harrington, the legendary head coach that built Harrison into a national superpower, an MHSAA record, 13 state championships, the all-time winningest coach in MHSA history. He retired after the 2018 season. He's now over at North Farmington with his protege, John Hurstein, who has taken over uh, the reins with the Raiders and has brought the entire Hawk staff with him. Harrington will be Hurstein's top assistant. The offense will be run by Mill to Thrill Coleman and the defense by Dave Thorne. So the entire Harrison crew is over at North Farmington right now. North Farmington hasn't had much football history uh, since John Harrington was there as an assistant coach in the late 60s and early 70s. So it's heartwarming for a lot of people to see Harrington kind of go back to where it all started and try to bring the Raiders program up to snuff and uh, return them to the glory years of the 1970s. Another storyline to be aware of out of the OAA is Clarkston, a team that has won three of the last six state championships in Division One has appeared in four of the last five state finals. Uh, they're changing offenses. They're moving to a pro-style offense. Mike DePillo, sophomore signal caller, steps in under center for the Wolves. He's 6'5", 240 pounds, pure drop-back passer, a little different from the quarterbacks that have led Clarkston on their most recent runs into Ford Field, guys that were a little bit more mobile, a little more dual threat. DePillo is a, a straight pocket passer that's going to pick apart secondaries, but probably won't be doing a ton of running outside of the pocket. Ryan Call, the former Clarkston All-State quarterback that's been back running that offense for Kurt Richardson for the last decade or so, will obviously play a big role in molding DePillow, but DePillow's looked great in the offseason, and he has shown great progress through this offseason under center as the Wolves field general. Finally, out of the Catholic League, specifically the Catholic League Central, possibly the best football league in the entire state of Michigan. Uh, Orchard Lake St. Mary's, one of the real blue bloods. St. Mary's recently three-peated in 2000, 
14, 15, and 16 out of Division Three, three straight state championships, but they've missed the playoffs the last two years. It's the first time um, in the Eaglets program that they've had two playoff misses during the current playoff era, which dates back to the late 1990s. You have a 2019 Eaglets crew that is intent on riding the ship. Uh, they have a veteran quarterback in Grant Henson, and he has two Division One recruit wide receivers uh, to stretch the field with in Cam Arnold and Anthony Anekchukwu, who's headed to Western Michigan. Uh, George Porritt is one of the more legendary head coaches uh, in the state of Michigan, and he is very confident in this group of eaglets and thinks that they are the ones that are going to set the record straight and get the eaglets back into the playoffs. This is Scott Bernstein signing off. You can find me at the Oakland Press and State Champs, theoaklandpress.com, statechampsnetwork.com. You can get my blog, Bernie's Bites, at statechampsnetwork.com. You can watch me on all of State Champs online programming, and you can find me on Twitter at Bernie's Tweets. Hey, this is Luke Giardi, voice of the Marquette Redmen for Fox Sports Marquette in the UP, and we're looking at teams to watch around the Upper Peninsula. Uh, first and foremost, the Nagani Miners set to have a breakout year this year, missed the playoffs in each of the last two years. Not like the Miners in, in the history of that football program, but this year they are poised for a big year. Jason Waterman, three-year starter at the quarterback position. Drew Duchesne, three-year starter at the receiver position. A lot of talent on that Nagani Miners team. Look out for them and look to them to make a big run this year. Another one in the West Pack, the West Iron County Wycons, who were eliminated by the undefeated Ishmael Hematites a year ago in the postseason. Coach Baruti up at West Iron County has a lot of returning talent, always a tough program, and the Wycons going to be doing very big things in the small school division of the West Pack. And the final team here, a team that's a little bit under the radar, but a lot of history with this Menominee Maroons team. The Menominee Maroons, just two wins a year ago. However, they were very, very young and returning some serious talent. First team, all-conference, all-offensive lineman returning in Jared Stacy. Also, Brendan Harris was a first team all-conference back who will be returning in that single-wing offense. Doesn't really have a position, but he runs the backfield, does Brendan Harris. They were the only juniors to make first-team all-conference in the Great Northern Conference a year ago, both of them returning 16 seniors on this Menominee team. Look for them to make a big improvement this year. And some players to watch here in the UP, as I mentioned, Jason Waterman, three-year starting quarterback for the Nagani Miners, coming back this year. And a great athlete, fantastic basketball player, but he does things on the football field that a lot of people just aren't able to. Big, strong kid strong arm and really runs the offense that Paul Jacobson has put in place to kind of surround Waterman's skills. Jason Waterman uh, going to have a huge season for the Nagani Miners. Another kid to look out for is Caleb Anderson. He's also returning quarterback for the Gwynn Model Towners, and Anderson got hurt, broke his year ago. Gwynn was still able to make it to the playoffs before they were defeated by Ishpeming last year in the first round, but Anderson returning to run this offense, a spread read option offense, a big, strong kid with a strong arm, and he's going to do big things for the Model Towners this year. And finally, a kid that many people think of him, they think of basketball, Marcus Johnson out of Iron Mountain. Fantastic basketball player for the Mountaineers, but also the quarterback of the Iron Mountain of this Iron Mountain team. And when Iron Mountain and a guy play week one, Waterman versus Johnson could be by the end of the year you could look back on this one and think it was for the West Pack title. So Jason Waterman, 
of Nagani, Caleb Anderson of Gwinnett, Marcus Johnson of Iron Mountain, who you're looking out for this year. And there's a few storylines to look for here in the Upper Peninsula this year. Uh, first and foremost, a couple of legends that retired this past year and first-year guys taking over. George Nemi taking over for Jeff Olson at Ishmael Jeff Olson. What a career. I mean, three state championships this decade alone for Jeff Olson is that Ishmael Hematite team. What a career Jeff had. But George Nemi looking to take over. George was an assistant for Jeff for about 20 years. So things going to stay the same up at Ishmael. Might be a little variance in there with offensive and defensive schemes, but for the most part, the Hematites are going to stay the same. It's always tough to take over for a legend. And then up at Kingsford, Mark Navarra taking over for Chris Hofer, the legendary Chris Hofer, who's been doing this a long time. So there's a couple of guys that are taking over in their first year for legendary head coaches and really looking forward to see how that plays out. Also, one more thing to look at is how Marquette and Escanaba fare against big north schools because Marquette and Escanaba, they're looking at limbo potentially next year. Menominee moving to a Wisconsin conference next year. Kingsford could be doing the same. Where does that leave teams like Marquette and Escanaba? Looks like they're already planning for the future. Marquette taking on an abundance of big north teams in the non-conference. Alpena, Petoskey, Traverse City Central. Marquette taking on all those schools. And Escanaba also taking on Alpena this year along with TC Central. So interesting to look at how they're going to fare against big north schools and to see if they're, that is the conference that they could compete in for the years to come. And the final thing has to do with a similar sort of aspect here is what happens to the Westpac after this year when the new playoff format takes place in the MHSAA. The Westpac was formed to give solidarity and, and give scheduling a guaranteed nine-game schedule, which was becoming a bit of uh, an issue for a lot of teams around here, particularly Ishpeming. And uh, next year, with the playoff point format coming back and no longer the six-win and in, what will happen with this Westpac Conference? Will teams like Nagani start looking to schedule teams like Escanaba and Marquette once again? Will the bigger Westpac schools look to schedule the bigger schools to help their playoff points? Will the Westpac disband because they have the nine-game guaranteed schedule, all-conference games? That's what we're looking at here this year. It's Luke Yardy. Big thank you for listening here and what's going on here in the Upper Peninsula. You can check out the Sports Drive where we break down all of the UP's happenings 3 to 5 on Fox Sports Marquette. We stream it online at foxsportsmarquette.com. And you can follow me on Twitter for all your Upper Peninsula High School football updates at Luke Gierdi, L-U-K-E-G-H-I-A-R-D-I. Thank you for listening. Hey, Teddy Fury of Thumb Chuggers Sports, also now a new program director at radio station in San Lake County. Uh, Stan Lake Broadcasting. All right, uh, talk about the teams. Uh, first of all, I think in a greater, greater Thumb Conference alone, it's changed a little bit since Carroll has come over to the Greater Thumb West last year. But I, I do believe it's going to be between the Lakers and Cassidy. Well, I think Cassidy has a little bit of the edge because they got a player to watch. Uh, Sandy Cottrell returning to the fold here. Uh, he's been the quarterback slash running back for the Cassidy Redhawks. A good, strong playoff team also. Lakers are uh, still under their... Uh, head coach Steve DeBerg, uh, he's got a Bryce Sears as a quarterback coming back. He's a senior now. He's been a two-year starter, I believe. And they got a junior linebacker or offensive line, defensive line. Around here, you got to play both sides of the ball. Blake Smithers is his name. He's a really strong kid. They have to double team to stop him. He can make holes for the Lakers. And they play a unique offense themselves. Uh, on the outside looking in, I do believe it's the USA Patriots, uh, Unionville Seabring. They could be a spoiler role. 
for either of those teams. And, and also the Carroll Tigers. They show some signs of good, uh, strong places coming to the greater thumb west. There's a good chance for them coming over from the Tri-Valley Conference. Uh, it, over in the greater thumb east, I believe it's going to come down to the Upley Bearcats and the Harbor Beach Pirates because returning to the fold, if anybody recalls, head coach Bill Sweeney is back after a decade. He was assisting the team on the varsity, but now he is the new head coach again. And he's got a kid, Casey Sweeney, who's a running back really quick and fast. They're going to lean on their wing tee offense, and he ain't going to change much. He's just got to play uh, good discipline, tackling, good blocking. He's just got to figure out which hole they're going to go in the wing tee offense that the, uh, he pretty much stays in. Uh, Hubbard Beach Pirates is another strong one. They went to the state semifinals last year, and they're, great, they're, they're from the Greater Thumb Conference in the East Division. So I believe it's going to come down to Hubbard Beach and the Ubley Bearcats. Sandusky on the outside looking in, but it, pretty much it's the showdown between Harbor Beach and Hubbley uh, Bearcats, and we get to see that matchup. It could be the league uh, title game happening coming up on September 27th. So that's uh, just the fifth weekend for high school football. Uh, in my coverage area also in the Blue Water Conference, uh, it's anybody's game right now, but I would say Alma has the most returning. They lost to a tough game to Frankenmuth, and Frankenmuth, everybody knows about what Frankenmuth has been able to do. And the Elmont Raiders, I believe, with the amount of running backs they have come back and the jet sweep plays, they got the returning quarterback who's been a two-and-a-half-year starter. Uh, I think they're going to be the team to watch out for. Uh, also, you can't look past uh, the Crowds of Lexington Pioneers and the North Branch Broncos or the Richmond Blue Devils. So it comes down to four teams, and usually this tide on the Blue Water Conference comes down to pretty much week eight because most of the week nine games are that non-conference uh, team. Uh, looking over in the NCTL, it's eight-player football, Decker Eagles, bar none. But uh, they are in the NCTL Blue Division. With them is uh, North Huron. Kingston lost their starting quarterback. Decker has got a lot coming back, and I think that they got one of the players to watch out for. But I think they're going to be one of the toughest teams in the NCTL. Uh, they're in the Blue Division. Uh, you can't look past Morris. They won the state championship last year in the eight-player division that they played in. They're over on the, because uh, you could say, mid Michigan out west division of the NCTL. Um, those are pretty much all my coverage area teams. All right, with the Decker, I got some key players to look out for. In eight player football, particularly, uh, our returning quarterback is Isaac Kineff. He's in his third year as a starter. He will be quarterback, uh, but he's a running quarterback. They did lose one of their top running backs. Uh, he moved out of the area. His name was Derek Snyder, uh, but Deckerville still has that strong offensive line. They have the quickness also. You know, they're one of the top teams. If you're going to get through the playoffs or even through the league that they're in, you got to get past Deckerville. It's great to have a returning quarterback. He's still smarting over that big loss to Augury Sims last year. Augury Sims was stacked last year, and they put a pretty good beating on Deckerville last year. So they have a lot to prove, uh, but they're getting back to the basics, and it's great to have a quarterback like Isaac kind of, who had uh, at least 500 yards rushing. Passing wise, they don't pass too much. Um, but when they do, he's usually on the mark, and he's a quick player. Good on defense also as a safety. Uh, over in the Greater Thumb Conference and Blue Water Red Conference, I would say with, with players to watch, there's a lot of players for the Elmont Raiders. I've mentioned them again. They got uh, about four running backs who would average at least 300, 300 to 400 yards. And I think uh, Kobe Chapman is a wide receiver. He would be a key player for the Elmont Raiders. They do pass the ball uh, in their uh, – uh, jet sweep plays, but they also utilize the wing tee offense. Uh, you got to also uh, bring up Michael Lugerai, who's back in the fold for the Elmont Raiders. But they got a trio of good running backs, and 
they all started young as freshmen. Now they're seniors. Some of them are still juniors. They can average over 300 yards. Uh, but there is a key one running back that can get at least 1,000 yards through the season. They share the ball well, though. I really like them. Uh, Michael Lugerai would be the top player running back for them. Uh, over in the Greater Thumb Conference, Sandy Cuthrell. I mentioned him from Cass City. And I would say Connor Ghetto from USA. And I would say Devin Puff. He's really beefed up. He's added 50 pounds of muscle for the Harbor Beach Pirates. And as I said, in the Greater Thumb East, it comes down to Harbor Beach and Ubley. And I would say Casey Sweeney's another running back. They got a key on for the Ubley Bearcats. Basically, it's all those players, the key teams that are going to go up against each other and for the league. I think the storyline is the playoff system now. It's no longer you don't need that, those six wins, so you can't make it a cakewalk anymore. You know, some teams will kind of make you soften their schedule, but now you know we've seen some teams come in with five wins. But there could be teams you know getting in with that five wins, but based on their strength of schedule. And now we're starting to see some of these teams are removed to different leagues. They got. Uh, quite quite a tough schedule. I look at Millington alone. They've got the, the heck of a schedule now. They be there's no longer a Tri Valley East, but that's a team based on their tough schedule. I mean, they're a good team. They should get their six wins, but it's still a tough schedule. Uh, how many teams are going to get in with five wins based on the strength of schedule? This playoff system is no longer based on six wins and eleven player football. So it's going to be quite a curious thing. And, and I give credit to the MHSA uh, executive director Mark Uhl. Uh, making a change right away as he stepped in with the MHSA. And also, is it going to be tough for snooze to you to make those playoff predictions also? <laughs> we'll find out. All right, you can also check out my website uh, for our live webcast, Channel 1, Channel 2. We'll be doing a couple of you know, games uh, week to week. Uh, go to thumbtogator.com. And also, if you're in the area, in the uh, radio land in our thumb area, you can tune in to Sandlight Broadcasting because now I'll be a new co-host of our Sports Line show Saturday mornings at 9 a.m., and, of course, I'll be streaming your stuff and see what's going on because I know Decker was going up against Ashley, one of your teams that your coverage area, and they play football. I'm Eddie Fury and Thumb Chugger Sports and also Sand Lake Broadcasting out of Sandusky, Michigan. I want to thank you for uh, having me on your show for the second straight year. Looking forward to uh, listening to your three-point podcast. What comes to mind when you hear the words Main Street Pizza? Yep, pretty much. You might even start drooling a little. If you're craving authentic, delicious pizza loaded with toppings, Main Street Pizza invites you to choose a better slice. Baked old style in brick ovens. The dough, sauce, and cheese are made fresh right on site. So your pie is created from scratch, start to finish. Ditch the reheated prepackaged dough and take a bite of pizza perfection. Go with a traditional favorite or try a delicious Main Street specialty pizza like the chicken fajita or BLT. Pick up a take-and-bake pizza in any size, perfect for families on the go. Made fresh to order. You take it home and bake it when you want for a fresh pizza any night of the week. Try a Main Street sub loaded with meat or some delicious salad, breadsticks, chicken wings, and lasagna. Don't forget, Main Street Pizza gives you a free individual pizza on your birthday. Main Street Pizza in St. John's, Ovid, Carson City, Corona, Fowler, and St. Louis. Fresh, delicious, and dripping with toppings. Baked in an old Italy-style brick oven. Choose a better slice. Main Street Pizza. Hashtag yummy.
this is Jeff Kimberly from the Michigan High School Athletic Association, and I just wanted to give you a quick update on the rules changes that will be kicking off with this week's games. The most noticeable change, at least from a fan perspective, will be a switch to a 40-second play clock uh, that begins after the conclusion of the previous play, except when there is an exception, maybe a penalty or a timeout. Uh, in those circumstances, a 25-second clock will be starting instead, but the 40-second play clock has been added in order to increase the pace of play, uh, improve tempo. It's something that some leagues around the state experimented with the last few years, but we got the go-ahead from the National Federation to make that a rule, and, and that will be a rule starting this week as well. Other ones, uh, rules changes that you might notice out there, uh, just a couple that, that regard safety, a horse collar tackling, not only is grabbing the back of the area right behind the neck on the shoulder pads, but now also includes the nameplate on the jersey. Uh, you can't trip a ball carrier, which seems like an obvious thing, but anytime somebody uses a leg to try and knock uh, a runner down, that will be considered tripping. Uh, that will now result as well in a 15-yard penalty. And if your team is one of the fortunate, fortunate 16 or, or fortunate 4 and 8 player uh, that make it to a championship game here in November, uh, we will be using instant replay this year for any plays that might be a scoring play or a turnover. Uh, just to get a better look, that's, that's the one round where we have the technology available to do that sort of thing, and we will get a look at any play that is either a score or could have been a score, had a, an official's call not made a difference, same thing with the turnover. So we'll be looking at all of those uh, and making sure that we're, we're, we're getting every view possible on those plays. And those really are the, the most major rules changes that will be noticeable on the field this season. One final quick note uh, on a new playoff format for 11-player football, just to clear up the confusion but also to explain it. First of all, it does not start until 2020. Uh, this will be the final season of the format that was adopted in 1999 when the MHSA football playoffs for 11-player went to 256 teams. For one more year, six wins and you're in, or, or five if you play eight games, etc. Beginning in 2020, things change quite a bit. Uh, before the season, divisions will be determined, so you won't have to wait until uh, Selection Sunday to find out what teams on the, on the lines might be one division or the other. You'll know your division going right into the season. The other big change is the win. The automatic win clincher will be out. Uh, everything will be based on playoff points, and, and really the, the most significant part of this is uh, more points will be awarded for a good loss. That is, if you play a very a strong team, and if your team loses, but that team still does well the rest of the season, your team will be rewarded. So in the past, the bonus wasn't real great uh, for playing against a good team, and, and a lot of our most successful teams were having a really tough time filling their schedules. This will award teams for playing a, a strong opponent, and uh, we're excited about those changes coming up in 2020. Football remains strong. Uh, in the state of Michigan as strong as ever. It's still the most popular sport uh, with more than 35,000 players during the 2018 season. Despite the fact that uh, enrollments are down at some schools and population is down in some areas, and especially at our rural schools, uh, we still have nearly as many schools, just about the same number, actually hosting football programs. We've seen a shift over the years in those smaller communities from 11-player to 8-player, uh, but those communities still still are having teams because they recognize the importance of having football uh, at their school and, and as a big part of their communities. So uh, we're excited about that. We're excited about another season 
we're always looking forward to seeing what's going to happen out there and, and also seeing how some of these rules changes uh, will help our sport and especially the ones that have to do with health and safety because we believe that football is as safe as it's ever been and we are going to continue to work to make sure that's the case. Uh, once again, this is Jeff Kimberly from the MHSAA. Good luck to all the teams out there. And thanks again for the opportunity to talk with you about all the changes coming up this fall. Win on three. One, two, three. Win! I feel that chill. Smell that fresh cut grass. Well, that'll do it for now. Thanks for listening to us right here on Z92.5 The Castle. And also subscribe and rate us on all the big podcasting sites, including Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and others. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at 3PointPod. And support our Z92.5 friends at Main Street Pizza and our other great 3Point Podcast partners. Advanced Elevator, Sheridan Realty and Auction Company, Rivals Taphouse and Grill, The Corona Connection, Card Service Michiana, and Promec Engineering. Also, be sure to check out our friends at Sports Radio. Detroit for their great variety and programming, including Three Point Podcast. This has been a Three Point Podcast production in conjunction with Z92.5 The Castle and Sportsnet Michigan. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Get ready for some football. Trash, it's slinging mud and dirt and grass. It's I got your number, I got your back. When your back's against the wall, you mess with one man, you got a song. The boys are fall. In little towns like mine, that's all they got Newspaper clippings fill the coffee shops The old men will always think they know it all Young girls will dream about the boys will fall Well, it's turning face to stars and stripes It's fighting back them butterflies it's calling in the air already yes sir we want the ball and it's knocking heads and talking trash it's slinging mud and dirt and grass it's i got your number i got your back when your back's against the wall you mess with one man you got a song
where the boy 